Hey everyone, welcome in to another episode of Real Sports Talk by Naraj. Hope everyone is doing great. I believe it is a Thursday, December 3rd, almost to the weekend, Friday, and all that good stuff, hopefully this weekend. So, I'm going to get a little bit of the NBA and what's been going on, and then I'll tackle some other, other topics as well, heading up to Friday. Um, but the biggest thing I want to talk about in the NBA that went down yesterday, Russell Westbrook finally traded, and he was traded to the Washington Wizards. So the Rockets agreed to trade Westbrook to the, the Washington Wizards for John Wall and a future first round pick. And just looking at the deal from a, from a you know from this view, I mean Houston obviously could have got more. I think they could have got more possibly because you know John Wall is a great player and all that. But let's not forget that John Wall is coming off an injury, which it will take him some time to get it going. But you know basically a point guard swap. A draft pick that Houston did need actually because of what they had to give up to get certain players on this team. You know, they're trying to get back with the assets they weren't able to get, you know, before. So, you know, the Rockets are trying to get some draft capital here, which they should be able to have now. After, you know, Daryl Morey with all his things that he did to get this team in, in position to win, Houston is heading towards a rebuild question is will James Harden be around to see that so looking at it Westbrook joins a Washington Wizards team um, that is trying to keep Bradley Beal there long term I believe he can be a free agent after next season and so this is a big move by Washington um, because they do think they can compete for a playoff spot uh, you know, Bradley Beal has talked about it. Scott Brooks has talked about it. This team certainly believes they have a shot to make the postseason. And they've missed the postseason in the last couple of years. Scott Brooks, I believe, is still the head coach of the Washington Wizards. And that's probably a big plus point for Russell Westbrook. Because, you know, under Scott Brooks, Westbrook had some really valuable time playing. And, you know, Westbrook and Bradley Beal together... Very interesting duo, you know. I think the one thing that we can expect is these two guys to really bring it offensively for the Wizards. They've had they have lacked that um, a lot, you know, in Washington. You know, Bradley Beal's been a one-man show there, while John Wall was unfortunately hurt and injured. Um, so he was really able to just lead the Wizards in terms of scoring and putting on his back. So we know Bradley Beal is an exceptional scorer. and He may be more better than James Harden because he's younger, obviously, and he has more of a feel of catching and shooting. So, you know, Washington adds a nice, you know, someone who's going to get them the ball. Uh, well, not get them the ball, but someone who's going to take over maybe. And Westbrook did want to go to a team which he could be the centerpiece or run the way he wants to run things. And so, you know, play alongside Bradley Beal, I mean, Westbrook may be able to succeed. 
I mean, he will provide that team with a lot of effort and rebounding, which they really need, actually, because Washington has not been good. They've been non-competitive, like I said, the last couple of years. Bradley Beal has kept the team afloat, and this is a move by that Washington ownership to keep him happy for the upcoming season. Now, Westbrook, obviously, at this age of his career, I mean, is it realistic for him to win a championship with the Wizards? Probably not. Because they still need a lot more pieces to make that happen. But I will say that look at this team, and they've needed a, a dynamic playmaker there alongside Bradley Beal. And Westbrook is going to give you 100% energy and effort, you know, every time he plays on the court. So he will give them a good rebounding, um, good defense. His shooting is, like I said, it's not to be desired with his shooting from three. Um, but we know he can attack the rim. He can hopefully start to create more of a, a feel towards passing the ball a lot more, which he can do. But you know, you just want to see him play at a high level, be efficient, and help this Washington team compete in the Eastern Conference. The Eastern Conference, compared to the Western Conference, is a little bit more easier. They may have a shot, depending on how things go. But you know, it's a very exciting duo on Bradley Beal and. Russell Westbrook. I mean, these guys may be able to play well off each other. Bradley Beal doesn't seem to be a player that's really dominant. He doesn't have the ball in his hands all the time. I think he likes to catch and shoot. And hopefully Westbrook will be able to work with him and get those get that chemistry figured out uh, before the preseason starts. And these games will be important probably for the Washington Wizards to get a feel for this team. But I think it's a good sign for the Washington Wizards to get a player of this caliber. Um, you know, John Wall had a great run in Washington. And for a while, he was one of the best point guards in the game. Unfortunately, injuries took place. And just the unfortunate injury that he had, missing time and not being able to play. And he just signed a huge contract and all that. Um, and, you know, he's just been hurt a lot. And... You know, Washington felt like it was time to move on from John Wall. They wanted a quality piece in return for him uh, because that's how it usually works. And I think next season the Wizards are some team to really watch out for. Obviously, outside of Bradley Beal and, um, you know, Russell Westbrook, I think they have some nice pieces. I think the Bertans is on that team. They're, they're, you know, they're a team that can maybe just challenge for a playoff spot. They may benefit from the from the new playoff format change in which the ninth and 10th seed may get a shot to play the in-play tournament. So, you know, there are some things going for the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference from these lower these lower teams. And, and Washington with Scott Brooks' head coach, maybe they'll be able to find a way to at least make something happen um, there. Now, it remains to be seen if this is a... I, I think this is a a deal in which I don't know if Westbrook will be able to stay long term in Washington not really sure how it's going to work I mean it seems like that his contract will be you know honored by the Washington Wizards so he may be there for a couple of years and maybe he won't be it's hard it's hard hard to say at this point because the trade just went down but I will say that you know, Westbrook's got to obviously try to make his value even better. I mean, he had a tough ending to the bubble last year, the way he played. 
Um, so, if anything, I think he'll give it a shot with Bradley Beal. Um, because he has to be able to, to change that narrative. There's a lot to say about Russell Westbrook that, you know, he has a great effort guy, but he can't play with another co-star. You know, he played with Kevin Durant. They had success with each other. But eventually those two kind of grew weary of each other. And Durant obviously left for Golden State. And we know what happened after that. You know, Paul George was there. They seemed to have good chemistry, but then it didn't work out. Then James Harden was supposed to be the answer. Um, so, common thing with Russell Westbrook is that you know, he really can't play well with another, another, another superstar. I think he's going to have to embrace a different kind of role this season. Uh, he's going to have to be more willing to pass the ball, to be effective when he can. He's got to improve his from the outside. He's got to trust the people around him to make plays as well. And I think that's the biggest thing to watch for the Washington Wizards this season is how well do they mesh together. You know, Bradley Beal and, and, you know, Russell Westbrook. Can they get on the same page? Can they trust each other and have that thing going where both of them are, are, are adapting to each other's game and, and making sure that they have a, have, have a good culture there, a good feel for them uh, as they compete uh, this season. As for the Houston Rockets, I mean, the Rockets are getting John Wall. You know, he's he's 30 years old now, and John Wall, when we last saw him healthy and playing well, yeah, he's a great playmaker. He can shoot the ball well. He can play good defense, and he definitely provides something that, you know, James Harden does need in terms of shooting. You know, just purely shooting, you know, John Wall was one of the best shooters in the game. And I do think that his addition, along with Christian Ward, DeMarcus Cousins is something that James Harden can work with this season. But we really don't know if James Harden is going to last all season long with Houston. You know, DeMarcus Cousins is a good signing. You got John Wall now. Hopefully he'll be healthy to go. So John Wall is going to be able to create some opportunities and play at least well. But... He's coming off an Achilles tear, and it may take him some time to get his form back. But he will provide, you know, Houston with some good, you know, playmaking ability or shot making at least. And at least this move by the Rockets shows that they're trying to win in the short term. But in the long term, they're obviously rebuilding towards a, you know, re- rebuilding this team. And you know, question is which team is really going to come forward. Um, and make a move for James Harden. The Brooklyn Nets seem content with what they have this season. Um, and the Rockets obviously will be asking a lot more for James Harden than the actual Russell Westbrook. So it remains to be seen if any team comes forward. I will say this, if the Rockets are not playing good basketball by midseason, the good chance that Harden could be traded midseason or at the trade deadline. But the Rockets have done enough in their mind, probably, to at least convince James Harden to, you know, run it back with him this year, see how it goes. Um, John Wall is going to be a good player for them. I just wonder, you know, how much time will he, he, he'll be able to be there long term. I mean, hopefully he can get, a, you know, this is a fresh start for John Wall with a team that obviously has more resources available. And, you know, if if... 
if John Wall can somehow recapture some of his form he had from a couple of years ago and play at least well enough, then there's a good chance that maybe he will be there in the long term for Houston. Uh, but his his you know his addition to this team is trying to keep Russell, you know trying to keep James Harden there for for this coming up, upcoming NBA season, and we'll see now you know if James Harden is going to you know be you know be there long term this season. You know you do got some nice pieces there overall in Houston. They have done their best to at least give James Harden a chance to compete this season, but. You know, his desire has been to go to Brooklyn, and as we get closer and closer to the start of the season, preseason games, it's more likely that he will probably be on this team um, opening opening night, opening you know opening opening week of the NBA season. And his situation will have to be monitored along with his upcoming NBA season. Uh, you know, a lot of things have to go right for Houston in order to keep him long term. And with John Wall's addition, um, Christian Wood, DeMarcus Cousins, and some other pieces on this team, uh, the Rockets with Steven Silas are hoping to, you know, compete well and at least give themselves a shot to be in a good position in the years to come if they if they do end up, you know, changing James Harden. One thing the Rockets cannot do is that James Harden walk, you know, after his contract is up. So... He will be traded most likely before his time in Houston ends. But if they end up competing well and at least making a run towards the finals, they have to make it to the NBA finals. That's what James Harden is probably looking at. And he's looking around, looking around the league and he's seeing what Boston has, what the Lakers have, what the Clippers have. And I think that he's probably going to want to, you know, going to want to change that in some kind of capacity. So, you know, James Harden has a point in his career now where, you know, Harden has a point in his career where he wants to win a championship. He wants to win a championship. And with Houston's moves here, I don't know if they really improved their chances to make the playoffs or to make the NBA Finals, but they at least will give him a chance to see what they have, work with it, um, but ultimately, I think Harden will be out of Houston by end of next season, or if, if sooner. So, in this segment, I want to talk about the latest uh, on the college basketball season, week two underway. In the men's college basketball and women's college basketball, and I'll be focusing a little bit more on the men's college basketball. Um, if there's some things that are worth talking about, some games that happened this week, some things to watch out for going forward. Very early in the season, very early in the season, but you can already tell there are some teams that have promising opportunities, and other teams that really have a lot of work to do to get into that form by the time that the NCCA will have a March Madness tournament. So, a lot to look forward to in that regard. So, I'll kick off by talking about uh, Michigan State. 
going on the road and beating Duke um, in their building. And obviously no fans. And we know over the years that Michigan State and Duke have had memorable battles in college basketball. And this was Tom Izzo's first win in Duke's arena. And to be honest, this game was really... Um, it really came down to just execution and Tom Izzo kind of having more of an impact because he's had some well, very well-known uh, players there in their second to third year. So more of a experienced team in Michigan State. And they've been trying to get back to that form of being consistent and being aggressive on defense, which is Tom Izzo's speciality as a head coach. And so they were able to do that uh, big time against Duke and Coach K um, earlier this week. So I look at it and, you know, Duke obviously um, is going to get better over time. They do have some very nice pieces there in terms of some really nice talent. I talked about Jalen Johnson for Duke. And how he's going to be really important, I would say, for the Dukes' chances this year to, you know, make a run towards um, the ACC championship game. But also to lead this team, hopefully, to a Final Four appearance this season. And so I look at it and... The biggest thing to take away is that, you you know, Duke as a team has got to shoot better. They do have a couple of freshmen playing there. So, you know, in terms of getting the most out of their players, you know, Coach K can do that really, really well. And he's working with, uh, you know, some new talent here. But, you know, they lost the game. It was a pretty close game, actually. And what ended up happening was that you know, Michigan State had more depth, more experience towards the end. I think their defense um, and their rebounding really helped Michigan, you know, help them win the, this game against Duke. And so, key for Jalen Johnson, who is a great shooting forward and expected to be one of the best players for Duke this year, has got to be more consistent, take more shot attempts, try to make the most out of your situation. Um, but I think Duke will come around. They'll get back into form and, and be better going forward. A team that's kind of disappointed so far, and it's very early, like I said, very early in the season. But Kentucky, you know, John Calipari, great coach, has had a history of making it um, to the Elite Eight, to the Sweet 16 of the March Madness tournaments. You know, Calipari has dealt with a lot of uh, turnover on his roster. The last two or three, five years. A lot of great NBA talent has come from the University of Kentucky. And so they're trying to recapture and find that, you know, that magic again. Find that consistency again. Um, you know, they ended up losing um, their second straight game. They lost to Kansas, 65-62. to 62. The three-point uh, shooting is what is kind of a problem right now for Kentucky. They can actually from the outside. And they did, you know, they did deal with some foul trouble, 
They had some foul trouble with their main two freshman players, Terrence Clark and Isaiah Jackson. They just never got the offensive rhythm going in the second half, as they should have. They missed a lot of key buckets, a lot of shots. Um, guys were really struggling, to be honest. To, uh, you know, and, bo- and both you know, both teams, Kansas and Kentucky, I mean, they really needed to get to the free throw line, and I think uh, getting to the free throw line for Kansas actually was difference in the game. So, you know, I look at it and. Kansas overall, I mean, they just need to keep finding a way to get um, their star player, David McCormack, more better opportunity. He was one of nine in shooting-wise. So, like, there's many promising young players in college basketball. I'm only mentioning a few here and there. Um, but these players are going to overall develop into some really nice players. And we know that the NBA talent may come from these two schools so it's very important to keep an eye on these teams and see how they perform because you expect greatness from them but I trust John Calipari his experience obviously coaching a lot of, a lot of talent over the years I think he'll get going in the right direction but they gotta do a better job of finishing executing uh, these players have to buy in and be much better in the second half of these games which is why they've been losing a lot not being able to finish and execute when they need it the most so something for Kentucky to work on and improve upon coming up um, later this week in their schedule. So, you know, looking at some other other, um, notable games and things around this weekend, Gonzaga, number one seed in the rankings right now for the men's uh, basketball side. You know, they finally played a quality opponent. They beat West Virginia 87-82. This was a game in which Gonzaga was actually challenged. Um, you know, West Virginia's size and rebounding um, and strength really tested them early on. It seemed like Virginia had figured out how to slow down Gonzaga uh, early on, forcing some tough shots, not letting them have the you know the kind of pace they wanted to dictate the game, and you know different story in the second half and the reason why it was a different story in the second half is because one of their uh, one of their you know primary players uh, returned from injury you know he had us you know injury in the first half but you know he came back and they just found a way to get it going uh, making shots after shots and they're a very well experienced group and they never seemed out of it to be honest they kept fighting and it's an early test for them, but they, you know, they were able to win that game, and you know, it's very impressive to see their uh, player Jalen Suggs, you know, come back for them uh, and you know, lead them to victory. The key was that West Virginia had played well in the first half, but turnovers caught up to them. Their shooting caught up to them. They just could not finish and get get time. They could not stop the bleeding. I mean, the, the buckets kept coming for Gonzaga late in this game. And it was just too much for West Virginia to handle. And you got to give credit to Gonzaga for, uh, you know, winning an early game here against a ranked opponent in West Virginia. But there's many more games that Gonzaga has to play, obviously, before I really think they will be serious contenders for the NCCA uh, championship this year. It's all about how you finish. And Gonzaga, 
has started, you know, they started very similarly like this in a lot of the years, I believe. A lot of teams have started out 2-3, you know, but it's a matter how do you finish and how do you, you know, how do you look towards the end. So, an early assessment of these guys, Gonzaga seems like the favorite right now. They have a good team, the number one ranked team right now. Can they keep it that way will be the question as the NCAA is trying to figure out all these non-conference games and scheduling games, which I thought they shouldn't have done, but it just makes college basketball more exciting and more interesting to watch. And you have teams from different conferences play each other, teams that have never played each other more than one time or twice in a season. You want to see these games, and it should be a, a unique one for sure. So looking at some of the other things that took place during this week, uh, I believe there was a game that, you know, I think Oregon ended up losing. They were ranked for the first time in a while, and there's thing in their you know program. They got upset um, in a pretty interesting fashion. So, you know, college basketball has those games here and there. You see some upsets, um, and some opponents, you know, look a little bit more... Uh, you know, vulnerable. Some teams look really vulnerable early on. So, you know, I think some of these schools, the Pac-12 schools, really have to step it up um, because they they seem to be getting a lot of attention lately. And uh, some of those teams really have to step up and, and play better to avoid these uh, these upsets. The Texas Longhorns, the Big 12 conference, they pulled off a huge upset against North Carolina. It was an impressive victory for the Texas Longhorns. They won 69-67. Uh, star guard play for, for the Texas Longhorns is Matt Coleman. At 22 points, 9-16 shooting. He had the game winner at the end. And this was the first loss, obviously, for uh, Jay Williams and UNC. 3-1 now. But they really needed more... Uh, what they actually needed from their players more was getting more scoring and better shot making. I think they, you know, RJ Davis and Caleb Love, their guards, they didn't really shoot well from the outside in this game. I think they shot 11% from the three-point line, which is an extreme low. When you do that, their chances of victory are pretty slim. Yeah, they were able to make it, make it close. Execution, once again, comes into play. Some of these young freshmen, star players, trying to figure their way out. Um, I think North Carolina would have won this game against Texas if they hadn't turned the ball over so much. And they've got to convert their three, their free throw opportunities. They were 18 of 32 from the line. Got to do better than that because um, those free throws may have made a difference in the game. And so I look at you know number two ranked Baylor. They improved the three, you know, on the season. Their defense is pretty good right now. Um, and it was a big week for the Big 12 basketball. So far this week, big, the Big 12 teams have, you know, stepped up, showed up, are playing well. And we're going to see if they can keep it up. You know, Texas got a huge win you know, this, this, you know, these past few days. Let's see if they can keep it going. But, uh, you know, Baylor is obviously an early favorite as well. And the game that I'm really looking forward to is a matchup that everybody's probably already talking about. Number one, Gonzaga, and number two, Baylor, will be scoring off on Saturday afternoon, 1 p.m. And, you know, an early one versus two matchup should be a great game for both sides. 
Um, and this would be a good assessment for both teams to see where where they're at in terms of uh, their conditioning and their style. But you know, we're seeing college basketball navigate through a lot of things. Some games have been postponed, some canceled. Player safety and health is very important, as I mentioned many times throughout the beginning of this, and for all sports. So these players are getting some action. They're playing well. We're having the games. All is working out really, really well. The NCC has to continue doing a good job of, of scheduling games on time, making sure that teams are following protocols. These players have to be very, very careful and accountable for each other and continue to find their own energy and their way of navigating through this season, make sure that, that they follow all the things they're supposed to follow, really bond with their teammates well, and we're going to see some really good players come out of this draft class, this upcoming draft class. A lot of these players are going to probably be in the NBA next year or eligible for the draft next year. And the main thing is that these players need to grow not only off the basketball court but on the court, having the presence and awareness of certain things and compete well but make sure that they continue to follow their coach's lead and try to be better um, in every game because we're going to see a lot more meaningful games come later on in the season in college basketball and the teams that I'm looking forward to seeing standing out more so I want to see Duke bounce back North Carolina bounce back and Kentucky bounce back because those three programs are a really high standard in college basketball and when they're playing at the top top of their game they'll make it much more interesting um, especially with these teams in Iowa and you got you know Texas and you got Gonzaga and Baylor you know so you want to see these three programs still remind those teams on the come up that their time may have to wait so looking forward to seeing the ACC bounce back later this you know later next week and this upcoming weekend and obviously Kentucky definitely getting back on the right track after a couple of tough losses um, to start the season